I'm Liz. And I'm Doug. Welcome to episode 43 of the Seller Community Podcast from List Perfectly. Doug, how have you been this week? All right, Liz. Busy, busy week. How about you? Uh, the same. Busy, yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah, your sales are going well. Your Q4. Yeah. Ish. Your holiday sales. Holiday sales are doing pretty well. Got to spend some time with family and babysit Good. some babies. Got together at a meetup with some of my seller friends all this past week, too. Well, before we get into that, yes. let me just say, I know I said last week you look tired. You look yes. better this week. You look rested. You. you look Liz-ish. It's good. Thank you. Yeah. It was you almost came through the, week. you almost killed me last week. So <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, no, it was a rough week. I feel I, I did. I got some sleep this weekend. All right. So you did a meetup. You did mm -hmm. your meetup, your Colorado Springs, Denver combo, your whirlwind holiday thing. How was that? That was awesome. We got together uh, at the Colorado Springs meetup. And of course, uh, the Denver coordinators, Dave and Lori, uh, they came down and joined us. We had some in-person uh, sellers meet us and we set up Zoom to where a couple of people could join us from Zoom. And we talked about coded coupons, promotions and whatnot. Nice. Yeah, no, that's always good. And it's it's interesting now with the meetups because they're segueing to get back to face-to-face, -to -face, but I think it's still good to have, you know, that component, that electronic Zoom component for people that still might want to attend. Um, I guess I could have logged in. Yeah. So uh, Robin, the co-host of the yeah. Colorado Springs meetup, she's really good at setting all of that up. We needed our library and they have an amazing setup. We actually have, I don't know what it's called, a mono something, but it's this huge TV that's just a big computer and we can zoom in from that. Is and it I can log in. That's sure, yeah, that's it. Okay. I heard about that. <laughs> no, I can't remember what they're called. I don't know. But we're able to use that and we're able to kind of put our zoom at the end of the table and then log in from my laptop and do a screen share. And we all at this meetup ended up busting out our laptops and creating coupons and just kind of going back and forth of what's worked for us. Uh, a couple of sellers, we talked about eBay a lot because all of us are eBay sellers. And then there, there were a couple of Poshmark questions, a couple of Etsy questions and Amazon. Yeah. And I think that's great that you guys actually cracked open the laptops and actually did it. So, you know, people learn from doing so many sellers sell across so many platforms. Yes. I think one of our biggest takeaways, yeah, we had our subject, but for me, and I have to be reminded of this all the time too, is to look at it from a buyer's perspective before you look at it from a seller's perspective. So that's why we were breaking this out. It's like, Hey, if I do this type of coupon, search my item and show me what you see. Yeah. So that way it's, it's a totally different user that's using their login to see what it would look like. And then that person could show their screen and then we could discuss what's nice about that. Uh, and I think that that goes for all platforms. We had a discussion in the Facebook group about Poshmark and I learned something about Poshmark from a buyer's perspective this past week also. So I went through and I liked some things. So the deal with Poshmark was I asked a question about if somebody likes an item and somebody else makes an offer on an item, does that person that likes the item get notified that there is now an offer on the item? And the answer is yes. So I went through and thought like a buyer and liked some things that I was interested in. And I got a notification, a push notification from Poshmark saying 
someone has made an offer on the item you like. Go nice. make an offer and claim it as yours. So I learned that this week about Poshmark. And through our community, I was able to learn something new about a platform that I sell on. Everybody knows this, but Liz has been selling forever. And she's always learning and always willing to learn, but always learning. And I guess, Liz, that ties into the topic of our of this week's episode. I think that that may have drove the topic of this week's <laughs> episode because I always think that it's really important. I mean, you and I had the conversation about, you know, the podcast and this topic is important for people to hear. It was very yeah. interesting. Um, everybody that I talked to about this. We've talked about doing this episode a couple of times, but I was thinking too, is it's like maybe this will spur, maybe we do some more platform specific episodes, just really go deep in the platforms, maybe have a seller from each on and then go from there. I think that is a great idea. So this week, we do have a lot to talk about. And the topic of this week is going to be talking about the mentality of being a multi-platform seller and running a business across all platforms and really how the community plays a role in this mindset. How many platforms do you sell on, Liz? I sell consistently on three platforms, but I do have a presence on five. Good to know. Yeah. So like you said, we got a lot to cover, but we're going to squeeze in a couple seller shout outs and maybe a little bit of news. We don't want to go too crazy, but let's get yeah. into the show. And don't forget that the Seller Community Podcast is brought to you by List Perfectly every week for your enjoyment. And show notes are found at listperfectly.com slash podcast. So I guess let's get into it with our guest, Liz O'Kane. Oh. Who will be talking to us. About, I don't know if she knew. Now she knows. Who will be talking to us about multi-platform selling and having that mentality. Yeah, I know we just had a Q&A session over text and we figured <laughs> why not bring it to voice? All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. We're going to turn the tables a bit. Yes. All right. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks for Hi. coming on. Thanks for taking the time. So how long have you been selling? Give us the little high level Liz elevator intro pitch. My quick pitch. I started selling on eBay in 2002 with some of my sons out, on maternity leave. I had outgrown some maternity clothes and some of my son's baby clothes, decided to throw it on a little site called eBay and sold my items fast and for more money than I thought. That got me hooked. So over the years, you know, I was working full time. I was in the Air Force. So I used eBay as a way to kind of supplement some income here and there, pay for family vacations. Fast forward to 2016, I retired from the Air Force. I had always sold on eBay, a little more serious the last couple years before retirement, and knew that last year that I was going to be an eBayer full-time. So I walked straight from retirement into a full-time reseller or a main income reseller. And I did that until 2019. Yes. And in 2019, that changed when I was introduced to Liz Perfectly. I thought you were going to say introduced to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That just changed my entire. Yes. Okay. Everything. Well, that, that's the long version. <laughs> you can't just fit that into a short version. Let me fill in some gaps for you, Liz. So Liz. I was trying to go year, fast. That's true. She was trying to go fast, but a couple gaps to fill in. So over the years, Liz was mostly eBay. And then I, in 2019, she branched out to the different platforms, but also over the years, she developed local relationships and sourcing relationships and stuff that she has to this day and build up her brand and built up her marketing. And over the past couple of years too, has really grown more into being an influencer, but not telling you what to do, but just putting it out there and saying, this works for me. It might not work for you, but this is how I do it. 
and just, you know, helping sellers out, giving tips, being available. And then, you know, like she said, using List Perfectly to help grow her business. We always say that sellers should think of themselves as a business in all aspects. So high level, what did this what does this mean to you? You know, I did it was so much on eBay to where I always thought of myself I'm an eBay seller who happens to sell other stuff on the side mm-hmm. on other platforms because eBay is my native platform. As I've grown over the last two years, really it's about consistency on all platforms, consistent customer service, consistent marketing, consistent sourcing, consistent listing. Um, all of that goes into play and not just I'm going to focus on one marketplace and then treat the rest less. So really, I'm able to think of myself as a brand, my Colorado Reworn brand, and then that branches down to the different platforms versus eBay and then other platforms. Exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's all like included, inclusive under the umbrella of Colorado Reworn, the brand. Yes. All right. So here's what we're going to do, because we could go hours on all this. But we're going to, we're going to touch base on some of those aspects. And I want you to give like one tip each. So let's start with sourcing. What's your sourcing tip? Know that you're going to get better. If you're just starting out, you're going to get better over time. Know your niche. Yeah. Know your niche. If, If you have a niche, know it and hit those areas first. My main sourcing tip, and this is what I do is I go to my most reliable places first. And I used to be caught up in a single ROI. So say I'm never going to spend more than a dollar. Or I only want to sell things that are over $50. Okay. I used to be in that mindset. One of the two. Now I am not going to turn my nose up if I can get a quantity of 40 and my ROI will be 12. Think about your sourcing time. Yeah. If you are so niche that it takes you all day to get 15 items, you may want to try another way of sourcing or other items to sell. So I used to be extremely niche. And I would spend all day going from thrift store to thrift store to thrift store to thrift store to where now I have spent time and I have experience in my local area to where I can go to one or two stores and I can just make huge bulk purchases. I'm not somebody that goes and shops for two days, comes home and lists it, and then goes out the next day and gets just enough. I may go out and get enough to last me a month and just take that entire month and go. For me, it saves me time. Now, I understand not everybody has that available to them or you're not quite built up to that yet. But if you can get into the mindset of that, hey, I need to source faster. I can bring in more things than just a week's worth of sourcing. See if you can get into that mindset of getting there. Okay. No, that's a great, that's that a great was not tip. a fast answer, but that's all right. I'll make up for it in the lightning round. That's right. <laughs> so catch up. Like, there's still time to catch up, Liz, and win um, bonus points. Marketing. What's your marketing tip? You know what? I'm not a huge marketer, but I will tell you, it doesn't have to be big. It can be something as simple as a thank you card or a thank you sticker on your package. If you want to go big, you can do the campaigns and have a website and Instagram, Facebook. Marketing doesn't have to be big. It can be something as simple as a thank you card. But I think, you know, that concept applies to a lot of these things too, is there's a lot of simple things you can do to accomplish all this. And I like with uh, sourcing, you talked about considering your time. You always got to think about your time. That stood out to me. This is one I think a lot of sellers don't think about how many aspects it touches. So customer service, what's your customer service tip? Go back and listen to yesterday's eBay for Business podcast because they did a whole segment on customer service. 
I popped in really quick and gave mine and kind of gave my scenario on a customer service experience. But really, don't let problem customers get to you, okay? Sometimes we're going to have a problem buyer or really just a problem situation. Dealing with a bad experience or customer service, make it hassle-free. So for example, respond to every customer, even the difficult ones. You don't have to get into an hour-long debate with a customer. You don't have to get fuming mad over their requests or demands or, you know, um, I see things in our community sometimes. And I'm not saying it's right, wrong, and different. If you've known me for a while, you're going to know, Liz, this used to be you five years ago. You used to do this. If somebody's like, well, I think that I can get this here. uh, And then I would respond back. Well, you don't know who, and you don't know the time that it takes to do this. You know, and I've come to learn that that is such a waste of my time. I didn't like the color of this. And you said it was purple and it's more eggplant. And you are just trying to screw people out of money by lying on your listing. I'm going to send this back. My response is, I'm sorry, you're not happy with your product. I accept returns. I'm not even going to address it. It's done. It's gone. The customer's taken care of in a polite way. They got what they wanted. They get to return it. I'm not going to engage and be like, well, there's a, I don't know, whatever that argument would sound like for a lot of different things that we run across. um, You know, what's the bust measurement? It takes me longer to tell that customer, well, if you would have read the description, you would have seen that I already provided it. Yeah. All I have to do is copy and paste it and say, let me know if you have any more questions. To me, that's providing customer service just on the lowest scale possible. Great answer. But I think there's a spectrum there too with difficult customers. Like some of them will have legitimate gripes. Some of them are difficult just to be difficult. And then some of them, it's the whole hug your customers concept about helping not necessarily the difficult people out, but the people that are coming to you for help. So more of the ones with the legitimate issues. So helping them out, you know, they're going to turn from a detractor to a proponent. But don't get me wrong, Doug. I'm human. I'm not saying that it doesn't get to me sometimes because it does. And I have my friends that I text and we'll, you know, have laughing sessions about like, oh my gosh, who had the worst customer, not worst customer, but who had the worst experience selling this week? Whether it be I sent a $200 item and it got busted in the mail and my customer emailed me 700 times last night or whatever it may be. Or if somebody is unreasonable, you know, you just kind of get mad about it for a minute. But at the end of the day, we're sellers. This is a business customer service. It doesn't have to come off what I'm really thinking in my responses. So don't think that I don't have any type of feelings or frustrations when that happens as a seller, because I do, I'm human, but it's getting past that, giving the customer service and taking that time. I said it in the eBay for business podcast. I won't let these bad experiences live rent free in my head. I want to take care of it and get it out of my thought process so that I can move on to other things. Can't make everybody happy, but you can, you can try. All All you can do is try. You can try, but it's funny though, because it's the, those are the ones we remember. You know, it's like yeah, 100 positive reviews and one bad one is like, that's the one that sticks out in your head. Yes. All right, Liz, I'm going to tell a story. Okay. Stop the show. <laughs> Stop the show. This is one of my favorite. I have a bunch of Liz stories. But as you all know, a couple of years ago, a couple of times I went and hung out with Liz and, you know, documented what she did in her business and learned from that when I was at eBay. And I remember uh, there were a couple other sellers we were working with too at the time and they all got together. They brought their stuff over to Liz's and then we all went to the post office 
And so we took a funny picture of me carrying all their bags. I remember we were walking into the post office and I turned to Liz and I said, so how many times a week do you do this? And she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, I do this every day. And so this brings us into shipping. So tell us, give us your shipping tip. Yeah. So first I'll just clarify, or I won't clarify, but since then I have moved on to porch pickup. So I do not have to go to the post office every day. That was a change I implemented once things started shutting down and people were staying at home yeah. um, because I had had bad experiences in the past with packages not getting scanned and just not very good postal carriers. But I need to sing my postal car- carrier praises. He is amazing. He comes every day to my porch, scans all of my packages, puts my shipping containers and bags away. And um, he does a great job. So I do not go to the post office every day anymore. But really something that Doug told me, and I didn't realize I was doing this, and a phrase that he said that has stuck in my head was economy of space and economy of movement. So I work in a bedroom in my basement. I don't have a fancy shipping station. I don't have a dedicated shipping area. What I do have is a bigger desk that I ship on. You know, when it's time to ship, I just kind of move things off to the side. Everything is within arm's reach. Yeah. I have supplies on hand for almost any instance. Um, So different size uh, USPS shipping boxes for priority mail. I do keep a couple of express packaging in case I get any express orders that come in. I've got my cute uh, poly mailers. I've got my masculine poly mailers. I've got holiday poly mailers, clear bags, thank you stickers, notes, all within an arm's reach. So I'm not having to move as much. And that saves me time. But the funny thing is, is when I was there, Liz didn't have a tape gun. And I used to teach, she would tease her about it. So she had everything. Now she has a tape gun, but she had everything but a tape gun. And I was watching her and she pulled it, she taped and she does a good job taping. She taped up this package and then bit it off with her teeth. And it was like, Liz, you have all this economy (laughs) of movement. You need a tape gun. I know. I know. It was just one of those things. You know, I had used one in the past and I think it broke or I lost it. And I just never got around to getting a new one because that's how us resellers are. We just got to do everything fast and now and whatever works. (laughs) And and I have good dental insurance. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously you developed something that worked for you there, a little system where you would bite off the tape. This is, this is something where you really shine. So Tell us about uh, your inventory system. Give us that inventory system tip. Oh, I could probably talk about this almost as long as Teresa Cox, but I won't. (laughs) So here's my thing on inventory system is get one. Just flat out, just get one. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to look like mine. It doesn't have to look like his or hers. Just know where your items are. So, and and I have given the story in the past of, you know, I used to be a two tote seller, an outgoing tote and an incoming tote. So things that are listed and things that are not listed, but I had them labeled one and two listed and not listed. To me, that is an inventory system. Yeah. As I grew, it used to be totes on the ground. I would put all of my jeans in one tote, all of my dresses in one tote. As I grew, I outgrew that system. So then I had a lot of hanging racks on the walls and I had an alphabetical by brand system. And that worked until once again, I outgrew it. The whole key is find a system that works for you and your business and where you're at and be able to identify when you outgrow it. Yeah, no, that's good. The best tip I can give if you're thinking like a multi-platform seller is, get the bigger inventory system in place now 
so you not like me and have to change it every year. So if you start big, you don't have to keep changing it. The system that I use currently is just a number system. One, two, three, four, and I can just keep going. A lot of people will have individually bag things and have a skew on each item. I think that works great for people. I'm just not quite there. Uh, I have clear totes. I put items that don't match each other in the same tote. So I don't do all jeans anymore. I will only put one pair of jeans in a tote. So I know I'm pulling the correct item. It's a system that works for me. And how many bins do you have? Do you know? Like 110. And then I have 20 baskets and 20 boxes that hold different types of inventory. I have five bins. A, B, C, D, E. Doug has an inventory system. <laughs> A, B, C, D. That, that is an inventory system. Like I said, it doesn't have to be complicated. You could, if you're, if you are a seller that sells, that has four totes, you could do red, blue, yellow, green. You know, it's a really good tip though, too. And I think this came from Teresa is mix up, mix your stuff up. Like you had said, yeah. don't have all jeans in a bin. Cause if you sell a pair of medium jeans and it's in with all jeans, you got to go through all the jeans. But if you sell jeans and it's in with some other stuff, with a shoe you and a coffee mug and a DVD and a sweater, well, you probably will be able to just pull that right out. That is something that I learned from Teresa. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that kind of goes in. I know we're going to get into it, but we talked about community and that is where the community has been so important to me um, is learning from other resellers that are willing to share their experiences and what works for them may not work for me. She does things that doesn't work for me yeah, and that's okay. But I take, something that I really like about her system and something that I really like about another seller system. And I just made that work for me. We're going to definitely circle back around into community, but what real quick. So mm -hmm. real quick. So what are the literal and then like the online tools you recommend? Like what do you, what are the essential tools on your desk? And then what are your essential online tools? In no particular order, I'm looking at my desk and <laughs> <laughs> let's see i'll just go from left to right packing materials yep oh that's not really a tool right so a scale yes i know some platforms like poshmark you know poshmark has a set fee you don't have to weigh anything it just has to be under five pounds and very few people weigh it when you go on to other platforms you're going to need to know the weight of your item package so i have a scale one of my things that i waited on so long because I just thought it was too expensive and it probably wasn't worth money was I have a Rollo printer or Rollo, however you say it, but a thermal printer. I waited so long. And when I got it, I'm like, why did I wait? <laughs> it has saved me so much time and money in ink. I sell clothing. So a lint brush, a tape measure, a black permanent marker. Sometimes tags don't come off. Sometimes marker doesn't come off the bottom of shoes. Um, but I do use one now. And I do use an app called ProCam. You know what? I've had it for a couple of years. I still use it. It has an auto white balance, so I don't have to play around with my pictures afterwards. It was a one-time like $6 purchase. Even though I have the iPhone, it's just that it just saves me time because I don't have to. It's got an auto adjuster. Well worth the money. And then I have, oh, I've, for the last couple of years, I've been a Photo Room Pro subscriber because I could just bulk take the backgrounds out. And I also use List Perfectly. But since they've incorporated the photo room background remover, I've kind of skipped using photo room for my product images that I'm going to list. Um, and I just, I, it's just uniform across the board, across all platforms. So those are kind of the tools that help me speed up my processes every day. 
All right, Liz, let's talk about community. So to me, obviously, community is very ingrained in what we do. And I really always talk about how there's an online community aspect and an offline community aspect. And you're very experienced in both. So give us your perspective on how seller community ties into what we do. So I can tell you what it's done for me as a seller is I have been part of, uh, started off as the eBay community a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And as different communities have come on board, Facebook, different message boards, um, I've kind of hopped around and grown with that. What I've learned over the years is that community does help in every aspect. I've learned from amazing sellers, you know, shipping tips, things about USPS, keeping up on the news, learning about different platforms, uh, policies, how efficiencies. The community has taught me all this. I didn't, I don't know all this stuff and I have learned from other sellers. And from that aspect has kept me in the community. And now that I've been a part of the community for a while, any new sellers that are coming in or new sellers that haven't been on eBay, I kind of just try and pay it forward where I can. One thing that I have learned is I perform so much better as a seller. I am a better seller when I surround myself with a more positive community. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a cheerleader all the time. If you have other people around you that can celebrate your successes when you share them Mm -hmm. or simply be able to walk your way through a situation or a problem without bringing you down and being constantly negative and just hearing about all the bad things. I have actually removed myself from communities that were like that. And it's been able to help me focus. And really it it gives me back my time instead of like constantly feeling this negativity, like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. eBay is going to break. I'm never going to sell anything again. Oh my gosh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. Instead of that stinks, but we can still get through this. And this is how I'm dealing with XYZ situation. That's where the community has really helped me. Something else that I've done over the last couple of years, Doug, is I've found more communities. So like I just said, I I just noticed I said it, eBay, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. my native platform. That's where I sold them for so long. And I have branched out. And I have now found Poshmark communities that I've learned from, Poshmark sellers that have been doing this for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years that I can now go to and say, hey, I'm newer to Poshmark. What's with this and this and that? And there's a community there to let me know. I've learned from Mercari, I've learned Facebook Marketplace, Kitizen. Um, All of these platforms are a little unique and different in their own ways. And a problem that I may be facing, not really a problem, but say I don't know how to use something and I'm getting frustrated, I know that they have their own community of sellers that have probably faced the same problem and it's probably a little fit. Like, oh, no, you just have to do this and this will work. A lot of them have kind of their own mini communities, too, that are built in and a lot of stuff they do towards the community. Yeah. And then, you know, there's that big offline aspect as well, the face-to-face aspect where people get together. We talked about it a little bit earlier with your, your Colorado Springs and your Denver meetups that get together and just, you know, that that contact's important. I mean, we're very, it can be a very isolating thing to do to be selling. You know, a lot of times you're in your basement. Yes. And then, uh, you know, you don't see too many people, but it's nice to get out and talk to sellers and see what challenges they have. We started off talking about mindset. How did you get into a seller mindset? So like I said, I started off on eBay. That's my native platform. Everything that I've always done and known about reselling 
was about eBay. So when I discovered other platforms and I started cross-posting and learning, I was still in an eBay mindset. Everything I did, my brain, my reselling brain thought about eBay first. I have to do everything the eBay way. And then my other platforms are just going to have to adjust to the way I sell. And that worked a little bit. Okay. Uh, it, It works. That's fine. And there was a question that somebody had asked me about a process. And I didn't realize I had adjusted, but I had started my listings at some point in time I had evolved and all of my listings were written to be cohesive across different platforms. So I made that change because I want all of my customers to be able to understand my listings. I want my entire process to not revolve around one platform. My example is I start all of my listings in my List Perfectly catalog. Why? Because it's optimized for all platforms in one form. When I do my title, when I do my description, the way it's laid out is it has areas to fill out that is platform specific. It may not be eBay. It may not be Poshmark. eBay doesn't have tags, but I can still fill out the tags because there are platforms that I list to that do utilize tags and hashtags. Filling out the MSRP doesn't matter on eBay, but you have to have it on Poshmark. Mm -hmm. So when I go through a listing, I'm not having, my brain isn't having to go from eBay and then pull up a Poshmark form and then fill out the empty blanks and then go to Mercari and fill out those empty blanks. I'm doing it in one spot. And when I was doing that, that kind of clicked in my head is I'm optimizing my listings for all platforms. So in a sense, I'm thinking about all of the platforms as I'm listing. So I'm now able to somehow wrap my head around, I'm not an eBayer who happens to sell on other platforms. I'm a multi-platform seller who happens to sell more on eBay? If any of that makes sense. I don't know. It, it makes, makes sense in my brain. <laughs> it makes <laughs> Doesn't sense. Doesn't always cross over to others. Your native platform was eBay. So when you grew beyond eBay, how did you decide where to expand? Or how would you recommend somebody when they're looking to expand? How do they decide? So for me, it was a fairly easy decision. I sell mostly in fashion and Poshmark is geared towards fashion. So it was easy for me to go ahead and say, I'm just going to get on Poshmark and sell there. I actually gave up on Poshmark twice because I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I didn't reach out to people who did Poshmark. I didn't understand sharing. I didn't understand price drops. I didn't understand parties. I still don't have a 100% handle on it. I am still learning every single day. New features are rolling out and that's where I go to the community. Like, hey, what have you guys found that works best for you? What are you doing in this situation? When I was able to just stop and go to the community and learn a little bit, I was able to excel a little bit there. I was able to get back on Poshmark and say, okay, I think I understand this a little better. I looked at my inventory again and said, what other marketplaces could I sell on? Facebook Marketplace, Mercari, Kitizen, those were all viable options for my business. I think Etsy is a phenomenal marketplace. I don't, I have like three things in my entire store that would even qualify to be posted to Etsy. Um, so I have two choices, leave Etsy alone or maybe make that shift. If I have access to inventory that can go on Etsy, maybe I start sourcing items for Etsy. I haven't done it, but go and see what items can be listed on each platform. Uh, Depop allows kitchenware. I sold a coffee mug on Depop. I would have never guessed. I was like, oh, you they actually have a category for this. Playing around and trying to figure out Depop. I put it on there and I sold a coffee mug of all things. I think it's mm. I've sold like two things on Depop, but I wanted to learn. 
Yeah, there was exactly. another marketplace that I was like, hey, I'm going to go all in on. I shouldn't say all in, but I spent a lot of time learning it because everybody was doing so well. After a couple of months, I used the analytics from Was Perfectly and I realized mm, that platform was not performing well for me. So I was able to make a decision and say, well, maybe this isn't right for my product. So I delisted everything off that platform. And now I'm able to focus on the platforms that do perform. You'll notice that some sellers do a lot better on some platforms than others. So I see it all the time in our community, like, hey, I'm I'm on Poshmark. Where should I sell next? And the answers are going to vary. It really depends. And sometimes they just don't give enough information. Like I sell nothing but men's vintage wear. Where should I sell next? Is going to be a different answer than somebody that says, hey, I sell women's luxury handbags. Those are going to be two different answers, but you will always see different answers, um, even for the same item. So give it a try. Give it a try and see what works. It's like not everything's going to work. Like I tried Poshmark and it was kind of like, eh, and maybe I'll try again, but I like eBay and I like Mercari. I tried Facebook, didn't work out. What's one thing you wish you knew then that you know now? There's just like a one. billion things. <laughs> just one. How are you going to make me pick just one? Wait, am I like half co-host of the show still? Can I go overtime? Do I get like an extra five minutes? No, you can okay. do whatever you want. You can pick a couple. I'm just kidding. Top three? No, it's fine. Uh, there's a lot of things. However, times have changed. One of the terms that I hear a lot and that I used to buy into is perfectionism. But I'm a perfectionist. It has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm a perfectionist. My perfectionism keeps me from doing X, Y, Z. I can't buy into perfectionism. It's not going to be perfect. What, who is it? Trish Glenn. And we talked about it before. If you can at least get it 80%, that's <laughs> yeah, good enough. 80, um, right. So, but I mean, like even for my pictures, I used to, it has to be on a mannequin. I have to have 25 pictures. I have to have a 500 character description. No, I don't. If my pictures, if they can just see it, and it's clear enough on a hanger, that's great. As long as the details are there. The description doesn't have to be fluffy. I don't have to tell you where the places that it would look great wearing or what (laughs) other items you can wear with it. Just here's the item, right? So I've really gone from the fluffy to here's the basics. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be this spectacular listing. It has to be accurate and it has to be clear. And yeah, good photos. I mean... I think that that's the one answer that even people that we interview really comes out like, wow, I really wish somebody would have told me that clear pictures were the answer. Nowadays is a little different than when I started because our cell phones are take pretty good pictures nowadays. Yeah. But really the main thing, and I hit on it earlier is don't waste your time around the negativity. It's just such a time and brain suck. I don't have time for the negativity anymore. Like let's find something positive just because something doesn't work or you don't like something that doesn't make it negative. Hearing this isn't going to work. Or if you find yourself in that negative space, try and not visit it again. Well, and drama and negativity can come around and bite you on the well, butt. Yeah, yeah. But I, I could just tell that I did not, I was not selling my best when I was constantly around people saying this platform's broken. They don't know what they're doing. They don't care about me. Five years ago, they said, 10 years ago, they've been saying, okay, I, that's fine. But what can I do today to make myself better? What can I do today to propel my business? All of that other stuff is great for like friend talk in the evenings when you're like, wow, yeah, you remember that. But in my day-to-day operations, I cannot be in that space. I cannot be in that community. 
Yeah, no, that's good. And none of the platforms are perfect. They all do things that irritate us, but we got to do our best with what we have. Yep. All right. Thank you, guest Liz O'Kane. Anything (laughs) Thank you, host Doug Smith. (laughs) Anything to add? No, that's everything. (laughs) I'll add next week if I forgot. I'll take notes. (laughs) Yeah, you'll do the... All right. Well, thank you, Liz. I'll just mute you next week so you can't Can't tell me it's time. (laughs) I can't chime in. Well, thanks, Liz, for helping us get, you know, a little insight into the seller mindset and talking about, you know, the different aspects and talking about community and how you have to think of yourself as a business. It's very helpful from an experienced seller such as yourself, who it's a big mentor to me. Everybody knows this. I learned a lot from Liz and I continue to learn from Liz. You almost got a call over the weekend with a crazy Etsy question. That's one platform that I'm just not experienced at. And for that, I can find you a seller that is. But I'm going to add this. Actually, there is one more thing. And I'm allowed to go back on that. So if anything, if you need any clarification on anything that I just said, or if you want to know more, Doug and I will be live tonight, live on YouTube. And you can pop in and ask for any clarification, ask for any additional questions. Ask Doug about his inventory system. I'm sure he'll feel free to uh, share that. So yeah, so if you're listening to this, the day the podcast drops, Wednesday, December 8th, join us live on the List Perfectly YouTube channel. All right, we hope to see you there. We'll remind him again later, Doug. Yes, thanks, Liz. Thanks, Doug. All right, Liz, you've carefully selected a couple of seller shout outs this week, and I like them both, if that matters. Woohoo, yes. So who do you have up first? So first, I have questions for you, Doug. Oh, okay. Okay, so (laughs) shout out to Rhonda, Pink Diva Studio, who hosted a Poshmark 10-year anniversary party. Yes. Online. Yes. And this was also your first Poshmark event, Doug. I heard you attended. I did. I um, attended with a Santa hat and jacket as it's the holidays. Yeah. And it was my first Posh and Sip, and it was very cool. We talked a lot about, um, you know, just tips and stuff, some SEO tips. Mm-hmm. What uh, did I you learn? About, I talked about List Perfectly. Actually, it was interesting Sorry. just to hear. It was interesting just to hear the SEO tips. You know, the uh, presenter talked about title and, you know, maximizing the characters. A couple of brief tips, but super high-level stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I talked about List Perfectly, just, you know, high level overall. And um, we gave away some stuff. So it was cool. It was a awesome. very nice event. Thank you, Rhonda, for having me. That's awesome. I missed it. I, okay, I missed it that night and I am full of regret for it. Well, you're going to have to wait another 10 years for the <laughs> Poshmark 20. <laughs> <laughs> or just sign up for another Posh and Sip event. That's true. Or go to um, another Posh and Sip. Yeah. So, and that was kind of something that I was going to throw out. If you haven't been to a Posh and Sip event, they're both virtual and in person now. I think there's a couple and there is a link on Poshmark to where you can find where all of the events are happening. Yeah. Connect with those events. And yes, I had a glass of wine. (laughs) So that's what I was sipping. Actually, I was sipping wine, water, and coffee. Not at the same time in concurrent fashion okay how long was this plush it's done <laughs> it was an hour or so oh, okay oh my goodness 
and you drink all of that. That sounds like something I would do. It's true. All right, Liz. Well, but thanks again, uh, Rhonda. Pink Diva Studio it was very nice to meet you in person. We had some correspondence back and forth, but uh, we're going to talk some more. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Who else do we have? I like this one too, Liz. Oh my gosh. If you, anybody listening, if you're on Instagram, please go follow at Teen Thrifts. Her name's Julia. So I've been following her for a little bit. She is, okay, so I'll just read you her little bio. It's, she is a high school posher turned multi-platform university seller. So I started following her when she was in high school and she would posh her way through high school. Uh, earning money to go to college now she's in college she made a post on instagram i mean all of her posts on instagram are neat but a picture of her screen and she's sitting through a lecture cross-posting her items yeah that was um, great yeah well she's following your advice Liz. she's maximizing her time and effort and using economy of movement all in that one little space her little desk in the lecture hall so i think julia has economy of time down there you go <laughs> so keep going strong julia you're doing great i had been following julia as well but i mm -hmm. did see that uh that lecture post this morning with list perfectly cross-listing for her at the same time yeah should we get into the news liz yes but doug i refuse to bring any bad news this week i'm not doing think, it i don't think there's any bad news this week i think it's all Perfect. interesting interesting good stuff Happy yes. birthday, Poshmark. You've turned 10 and uh, your party's going on for days. So hopefully you're enjoying it. Happy birthday, Poshmark. Many more. Yeah. Liz, Liz will make it to your 20th. She already said. Uh, yeah, exactly. Maybe that might, maybe by then the community will have taught me a thing or two about Poshmark. Yeah. I don't want to touch too much on this, but I saw some stuff on the news saying that Cyber Monday sales were down and Black Friday sales online were down a bit. That's kind of not what I've seen from seller friends. I mean, I don't know. You, I know you had good sales. I've seen a lot of people that had good sales. Here and there, people were down. Amazon did well, so no surprise there. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I was at the I was at a mall on Black Friday, and it was actually a little uh, a little desolate. You know, my Black Friday sales. That weekend were strong. Cyber Monday was just normal. I, but here's the thing. I didn't run any big sales. I didn't do anything yeah. special that I, I did not do anything that I normally would have done. Everything was just business as usual. It's just that the traffic was driven by yeah. simply people being online. Yeah. And I think at this point is like the concept drives more traffic and people think they need to be shopping. They need to be looking for deals. It's like, yeah, you can get some deals, but not all the deals are the door busters that are going to, you're going to break in a, to a fight in a Walmart parking lot over a TV, but right. you, know, you can get some deals, but a, a lot of it to me has always been hype. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, Rick Watson's podcast, mm -hmm. the one that we like to listen to. And he kind of touched on that, how, you know, this year, People are wanting to go in person and just depending on the item, you know, retailers have spread their sales out over yeah. months because they don't want the craze. Like they just want consistent sales. But he talks about that on his uh, Watson Weekly podcast. Um, he kind of went into that and it, and it kind of made sense. He's like, it's not that e-commerce died because people are going back. It's just that people, those deals that it, from brick and mortar stores had already been out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was nothing really hype. So 
people were looking for deals and like, well, where else could I go? Oh, I sold a lot of new with tags, items like coats, jackets, wool shirts, um, a lot of men's stuff, but that's because I listed a lot of men's stuff. Um, clearly Christmas gift items. Uh, but I think that my prices were just, I was just right at the price point. I sent out my daily offers on eBay. I use the, my shoppers tab to bundle and send offers on Poshmark. I did a little bit of promoted stuff in Mercari, just the typical things. Well, and it seemed to in retail, they started pushing the holiday super early this year, like earlier than usual. And it's tough because you know, everything was locked down last year. People couldn't get out. People are venturing back out. So yeah, egg into the stores, but you know, it is Q4. It is the holidays. People are going to shop. Right. So, I mean, um, I did, I did my shopping. I did most of it online and I did most of it beforehand. There was, you know, another big box of retailer. They're like, we guarantee our best. This is going to be the best price price you find even for black Friday. And if it goes lower then we'll refund the difference, like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. There you go. Now, this one I know is near and dear to your heart, besides the fact that it's eBay. There's, and I think this is a great program, but I want, I'll have you take it. So, eBay's launched a new apprenticeship program for veterans. Yeah. So, but I know, I'm, and I don't know how it was for you, but I remember for my dad, when he got out on a lot of levels, it was a big adjustment for him to go into, um, you know, a whole different kind of different mindset. He worked, you mm-hmm. know, he, he was bomb disposal in the army and got out and worked in aerospace and doing similar stuff. But it's the corporate world is much different than the military world. A lot of times in the military, you learn something that doesn't apply in the civilian world. So it's a, it's often a tough transition. I do know that. So how was the transition for you? And then what, what are your thoughts on eBay's apprenticeship program for veterans? So my transition was great because I knew what I was going to do when I retired and I knew I was going to work for myself. Yeah. So I spent that nice. entire last year active duty building up my eBay store. I, I hustled that last year. And when I say I hustled, I hustled that last year. Um, and I built my store up to a sustainable level before I even retired but I had that year of planning and I knew this was what I was going to do. Even with the tools that the military gave me to transition, I didn't really utilize them because I was going to work for myself. Not everybody retires from the military. Not everybody has the retirement cushion. Not everybody has the experience. Some people do four, six, eight, 10, 12 years and then separate from the military. And they don't have the retirement benefits to fall back on. Uh, And like you said, the transition, we do things differently in the military. And there are hundreds of different jobs that we do differently than our civilian counterparts. And sometimes the adjustment can be, I've had friends that have had trouble adjusting, not even from the work aspect, but from the camaraderie and the morale morale aspect. Because in the military, you're basically with your brothers and sisters. You can walk into a new duty station, into a new desk, into a new role, but you feel like you know the person next to you because you've lived the same lifestyle. To where when you go into a civilian job, you don't know anything about the people around you. They could have totally different lifestyles than you. Anyways, that was my, that's my little spiel on military transition. Everybody has a different experience. Mine was phenomenal, but something that the military has started to do, and I should say that the Air Force, every branch has something a little bit different, is they've beefed up the transition for veterans because they know it's tough. And they're working with a lot of different civilian uh, companies 
And one of them is eBay. One of the many is eBay. And eBay has what's called the Honorable Veteran Apprenticeship Program. Um, and I'll just read this really quick. It says, through the initiative, six apprentices joined eBay throughout this year, all from varied backgrounds, branches, and ranks of the military. The veterans will spend the final six months or 180 days of their service at eBay on assignments, training and learning alongside eBay employees in the tech, marketing, and operations department. So these are still active duty service members that are allowed to go for six, the final six months of their career in the military to apprentice under some of the top companies yeah. in the world. Yeah, no, that's cool. So yeah, it, and, and even though these veterans may not end up working at eBay, it's exposure. And it builds yeah. confidence in, I can do this instead of, I'm so afraid of what in the world is really out here. Yeah. And eBay's got a great college intern program as well. They do. That's true. So I, I think that they do a lot of great things with the different apprenticeship programs that they have. And I think that the military opening up these types of opportunities for veterans is amazing. So thank you, eBay on behalf of this veteran for having the honorable veteran apprenticeship program. Well, I knew you would like this. So I put it in here for you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I put it on my LinkedIn too. <laughs> but Liz, there was a night when I was out and about, you were out and about, what? Out and about <laughs> in a bar in San Jose with another eBay fellow. And we bumped into a huge group of eBay interns and we spent like two or three hours talking to them. It was pretty awesome. They were so, and they were, they were stoked to meet us, but it was cool for us to meet them too. And it's like, where are you from? And they come in, they do like a, some, I think these were the summer interns and it was just cool to get their perspective, but um, yeah, it's good that uh, eBay is doing this apprenticeship program for veterans too. eBay is also super leaning into sneakers. Mm-hmm. So I think, so I have a theory here, you know, one of my crazy theories, mm -hmm. um, stock X has done insane over the past few years and they've really go grown into like a multi-billion dollar valued company. So the big thing they sell is sneakers. Mm -hmm. They've actually pulled a few eBayers away. Some people that I know work over there now. So yeah. that's a huge market. And it was huge even before StockX came around and the sneaker heads are huge and there's a lot of sneaker heads that sell on eBay. And so eBay continues to really lean into the sneaker market. They're doing a big, and they do, I think they do this every year, sneakers for charity, where they give out a bunch of sneakers. But the other thing is, is they've acquired a sneaker con authentication business. So they're also mm -hmm. really going to lean into the um, authentication on sneakers. And this also helps them kind of grow their authentication program. And I think they do the little tag thing like StockX does. And you're supposed to leave that on your sneaker, by the way. Yes. Liz, don't take it off. <laughs> don't take if it I off order sneakers, I am not going to walk around with an eBay tag on it. <laughs> and your, your mom kids or something. Uh, I don't know. But I remember reading about this. And one of the things that stuck out is buyers will want to come to eBay now. And here's why. This is what this article said. I can't remember what article it was. Um, but one of the points that they made is StockX uses nothing but stock photos. So huh. they could be all used shoes, say the same. It'll be one picture, stock photo, and they'll have six pairs of used. But it's all the same photo. Hmm. Buyer confidence comes from seller photos. Yeah, exactly. Unused items. So they're seeing exactly what they're getting. And it's going to be authenticated. But that was kind of move. his point. 
that this uh, that this article was making. It was one of the many points that they had made. I'll see if I can find it. I'll send it to you, Doug, if we can put it in the show notes. Well, you know what happened last week, Liz, is we recorded. And then I remember that afternoon you sent me this article. Oh, okay. We talk about a lot of news off the air. And we can only go so far with the breaking news. There has to be a cutoff point, folks. eBay, there has to be a cutoff point. Should we just have a news episode and talk about it one day? Maybe we should do a live, a live show, stream live, and let's just talk about stuff and let's see what our audience has questions on and let's see what they think. So you want to do a weekly live now? No, maybe for January. (laughs) (laughs) I I love our audience. I love talking to you, Doug. Um, I love our banter, but I cannot do a live show every week. (laughs) Not every week, no. As much time I think I have, I don't. But we're live tonight, so we can talk about sneakers tonight, if you like. Yeah, so we'll talk about whatever the audience wants to talk about tonight. What else, is Liz? Is that all the news that fits? Well, I was just going to ask you if you had anything, because I'm out. I have nothing yeah, else. I think we've covered it all. I we mean, have. of course, I did see some meta stuff this week, but I thought I'd spare you a little bit. <laughs> There's some TikTok I... stuff. TikTok's oh even like, you know what? You're talking about us too much. They emailed me and said, hey, Liz, can you have Doug back off of the TikTok? Yeah, back off the TikTok a little yeah. bit. Distract <laughs> yeah. him with meta. Oh, my goodness. Yo, I read some meta stuff, too, and I almost sent it to you. And I was like, no, then he'll talk about it. So <laughs> you're welcome. It's if you're don't, listening. It's like, don't, <laughs> don't encourage him. <laughs> uh, I know. That's, it's just a fun, fun thing to tease you about now. There you go. Wait until it's here, Liz. Oh my gosh, I know. I know. Little emoji Liz is walking around. Oh my goodness. I should probably go create my meta Liz or something before somebody mm. else takes her. I don't know how that works. Whatever. Maybe I'll get my metaverse and build a shipping station into it. With everything you need like, right there. With everything you need right there. And Liz will have five tape guns. <laughs> But, Doug, I think that that about wraps it up this week. It does. So, bye. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Community Podcast from List Perfectly. This week was a very special CBS After School special episode with the fabulous Liz O'Kane. We talked selling on multiple platforms. We learned Liz's journey, and we learned from it, Liz. We also had seller shout-outs. And we have the news. Oh, that's right. We had some news as well. And remember, you can find us at listperfectly.com slash podcast. You can leave a message or ask a question at anchor.fm slash seller community podcast. You can email us at podcast at listperfectly.com. And you can also post a question in the List Perfectly Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash listperfectly. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You're listening here, so continue to listen here, but be sure you've subscribed and tell your friends and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. What was that, Liz? I can't remember. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I ruined the whole entire show. Can we start from the top? Yes. We've got plenty of time. No, we have to Congratulations for (laughs) weekly live. Yeah, I got to go get ready for our live show now. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. I am Colorado Reworn. Doug is Snoop.Dougie. And go follow Atlas Perfectly. I can't remember the last time I made a TikTok. So what about you, Doug? 
I made one last week. I tried <gasps> to do it as loud and crazy as possible. <gasps> how did I miss it? Oh, you I haven't missed TikTok. Did that's I? right. You gotta go. Oh, you've been Liz is like, how did I miss it? Oh, that's right. I've been selling, selling and shipping Sorry. and marketing and sourcing and yes. customer servicing. Yes. And community. Is that a word? Yes. My meetup. Yeah. Seller yeah, friends. Meetups. You've been very busy. I stay busy. We all stay busy. If you're a if you are a reseller, you are busy. So we know that. And you know what? If you're a yeah. listener and you're new to list perfectly and you want to try it out, you can use our promo code podcast for 30% off your first month. Or if you're looking to upgrade, we recommend you upgrade to the pro plan or at least try it out for a bit because you get everything. You can use that uh, promo code podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Liz. Yes. And if you have questions, if you are a user or looking into list perfectly, Teresa Cox sponsors a office hours hour on Zoom. It is every Thursday at 10 a.m. PST. And you can find the link on the List Perfectly Instagram page or in the List Perfectly Facebook group. And with that, Doug, we will see you tonight. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> we will see you tonight. And we will see you next, next week. week. That way you can choose. Is that? Yeah. Okay. We got to decide if we're going to take Christmas off. Huh. Or we could Have, do, do you ever take Christmas one off? of those crazy best of episodes. Oh my God. Wait, we've got a celebrity appearance. Wait, this whole episode was the best. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hope they like price. me, Doug. I hope they like me. This was, this was nerve wracking. What this episode? Yes. Everybody likes you, Liz. Everybody likes I Liz. like interviewing other people. All right. Well, you can interview somebody next week. Can interview Snoop Dot Dougie. Just kidding. We are prepared for a special guest. I cannot wait until next week. I can't wait till every week. I love our guests. Our guests are amazing. Yes, we're very lucky. We are. And we oh yeah. We so many ideas, so many people, so much interest. But stay tuned for another fabulous episode. The more you know. The more you know. Okay.